This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses from all over the world who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. Welcome to Nursing in America. I am your host, Tanya Friedman, Chief Executive Officer here at Kinetics USA. I've invited Luciana De Silva to be the guest host for a few episodes. She'll be speaking with nurses now living in America to figure out what life is really like. Enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Ramel. He started in physical therapy back in Manila in the Philippines, but ended up pivoting to nurses and moved to Queens, New York at the age of 28. My full name is Romel Rico. R-O-M-M-E-L is my first name. Romel Rico is R-I-C-O. Okay. Where are you from originally? So I'm born and raised in Manila. So it's Metro Manila, Philippines. And I moved to New York when I was, I think I was 28 when I moved to New York. Where in New York are you? New York, Queens, where most of the Asian people are. So it's in Queens, it's in Flushing. The area has so many Asian groceries and Asian restaurants. And the food is a bit cheaper in in, in Flushing area. Yeah, that's why we love it. And the community is full of Asian people. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I didn't know you were in NYC. That's amazing. Yeah, it's New York City. Mm-hmm. How long ago did you get to New York, you said? I was in New York in 2008 until this year. So I lost count. 13 years. Wow. Congrats. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, the 13 years is very colorful. It's an up and down ride. Part of it is the first five years was full of adjustment. It was like an adjustment period. And the next five, you have a little confidence in where you are and what you're doing. And you gain a few friends as well in the community and at, at work. So the second half of the 13 years was more on gaining resources. So you start earning money, saving, and um, I think planning and keeping some resources for the future. So I see it, I see it at that, that way. I could see that. So for your first five years, did you experience any sort of culture shock whenever you got here? Yeah, yeah. So every time people would ask me, how was it adjusting in New York, particularly in the U.S., I would say it was difficult. But it has two components why I feel like it's challenging the first five years. One is the first challenge, I guess, is that the main reason why I went to the U.S. to follow a five-year relationship. So my partner went to New York. I was left in the Philippines. I'm actually a physical therapy graduate before I took up nursing. So the whole context of going to the U.S. and to New York is to follow that person. And unfortunately, the year before I was granted my green card, the relationship was on the rocks. And we eventually broken up. And by the time... I moved to New York. There's a lot of gray areas on that relationship. We don't have that relationship anymore, but he was saying 
we should pursue it because that's the long-term plan, right? We'll be together. We have the longest time planning and preparing for it. But it didn't work out eventually and there's a lot of stories behind it. And that makes it more difficult that all the drama and the confusion and the objective wasn't satisfied. You know what I mean? So the reason why you were there is not present anymore. So I was left in that vacuum of questioning things. Why I'm here? What am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I staying in New York? Part of the reason why as well, I went into that big question in my mind because I had a good career in the Philippines. I don't have any plans of going to New York anymore if not for that relationship. I had a good job in a pharmaceutical company in the Philippines. I was earning. I can travel working in a pharmaceutical company. I'm working abroad, attending conferences and meetings in the U.S. and in Europe. So it's, you know what I mean? The objective is not there anymore, but you're in that situation. And you're somehow in limbo. So that's part of it. And the second part, of course, is adjusting to the culture, um, the whole New York thing, being Asian, looking very young. You're thrown out in a healthcare community, looking very young. And they, your colleagues and the people around you think you just graduated. And of course, we can't discount the fact that I really felt like I'm a second, if not a third class citizen in the U.S. at that time. So those were the two big reasons why I feel like it's difficult, it's challenging that first five years is. I don't have any friends as well, other than my partner and the friends that he accumulated in the U.S. So I, I feel like it was a bad decision to be joining that same group and I was left alone. Um, but I think I was really on that limbo and I wasn't thinking right. I wasn't thinking right. Maybe that's the main reason. I wasn't thinking right because I am I wanted to pursue the relationship, but it's not working anymore. And I think I was stuck in that mindset that the reason why I'm here in New York is because of that relationship. And other than the reason that I was telling you about the cultural difference and me adjusting, you know, in a different country, in a different culture. Yeah, that must have been really difficult. And that story, it's unfortunately, it's very common that someone moves to another country or somewhere else to be with somebody and you're walking into their life that's already there and they have their friend right. and they have their right. life and now you're coming in and it's different and right. you obviously changed your life and your career and everything to come to the United States. Now, you said that you were a physical therapist first. Yeah. So then what happened that you came to the United States and became a nurse? Yes. So I'm a five-year, because the curriculum in the Philippines for physical therapy is five years. So I'm, I graduated, but at the time, I graduated in 1997 as a physical therapy. There's no chance for us to go to the U.S., at that time, I think it was Bill Clinton's time. And I think there was a big problem in the insurance and the healthcare system. And when I was about to graduate, before us marching to the stage, in I can remember it clearly in our big bulletin board in the school where I took up my physical therapy, there were memos and there was a big noise because 
when I was in school, the first four years, we saw everybody graduating on their fifth year after the internship. And before they graduate on stage, they have the visas already. They're leaving right away because the physical therapies are very in demand in the U.S. So at that time, on our internship, like three or two months before we're about to graduate, there's this big memo saying, oh, Filipino physical therapies are banned to work in the U.S. And the main reason behind that is the insurance system. I think during that time, they can't reimburse home care for physical therapy anymore. So they're really not hiring physical therapies anymore. There are a lot of physical therapists who is already in the U.S. on green card or in working permit that was, that was sent back to the Philippines. And we were told that there was a big scandal in the Philippines that the batch before us, I graduated in 97, the 1996 batch has a big scandal. Like there was no normal curve in the result of their local board exam. So I think that reached the, the U.S. physical therapy boards. So they were saying that was the reason why Filipino PTs are banned. So to cut the long story short, I'm graduating and I feel like I don't have any opportunity to go to the U.S. So that's why I took a different course in my career. I joined a pharmaceutical company. I started as a medical representative and then I worked my way up. On my second year, I was promoted to marketing. So I was so happy because I was continuing medical education management for the brands on that pharmaceutical company. So I'm developing speakers for the brand and I'm developing, we call it key opinion leaders, but these are doctors in the medical field who can speak for the brand. So I'm joining them. I'm developing programs for them. We go to international conferences. We develop modules and, you know, the slides that they're about to speak for the brand and behalf of the brand. So I was happy doing that, being a physical therapist, thrown out in a pharmaceutical world, doing continuing medical education. I'm so happy with that. But as I've told you a while back that my partner is in the U.S. And of course, I want to join my partner. Uh, we look for other opportunities. And the only answer is for me to take up BS nursing so that I can join my partner in the U.S. So I took that. Fortunately for me on my, I think that was third year on in the pharmaceutical company. So if I graduated 1997 in physical therapy, so maybe around two, year 2001, 2002, there was a big opportunity because my friends in the medical community told me, Romo, we know that you want to go to the U.S. So the La Salette University in the Philippines opened a new curriculum for occupational therapies, a short course program for fields, the PTOT, dentist, and, and doctors. So you can join the program. It's a short program, meaning three semester plus one summer. And they can give you the BS, the Bachelor in Science in Nursing. And then you take, you take up your clinical. So that's pretty fast. So I took that course. I enrolled in University of La Salette. I was able to finish that and I took up all the exams, the local boards, the CGFNS, the IELTS, and the NPLEX in a matter of two and a half years. So in 2004, I'm ready. So I'm ready to go to New York. So my partner looked for an agency to sponsor me So the agency was able to petition me 
and they offered me a position in a nursing home. Unfortunately, in 2004, I think the USCIS, I think they have a yearly quota for nurses. So they can't give me any visa on that year. And I have to wait for a year and a half. At that time, I think there was a visa. How do they call that? I forgot. the. They have a name for it, like a visa. Like a backlog. Not freeze. Log, backlog. Like yeah. backlog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I fulfilled all of the requirements, but USAIS doesn't have any visa to give me. So I waited for a year and a half. But eventually, they were able to give me the green card. So that was the good news after like three years, three, oh, almost four years. My taking up the course plus the exams and the waiting. So around four, four and a half years. My God, that is... I know. (laughs) All of that. Uh, Yes, at the time, I was taking up the course and I was working in the pharmaceutical company. So they were prepping us. Like the curriculum is not the standard curriculum, but they would give you the modules. You have to read it. But on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, it's just purely exams. So all exams. But that was easy for me. The hardest part of the curriculum was the clinicals. Because I'm a physical therapist. I'm not a nurse. So doing the bedside was a pain. It was really a pain. And um, if I can remember it right, I think I have to do one month for OB and obstetric and gynecology uh, course in the clinicals. The requirement was, I think, eight cases of giving birth. So you do the assist. And I think that was the most difficult because doing the assist would be at night and I'm working in the morning at around 3 or 4 p.m. And the clinical instructor would be calling you at night to do that. And it was just difficult. (laughs) Yeah, they they say that OB is like one of the most tiresome, difficult specialties to do because right. I, I don't know for some reason well the medical surgical the you know surgeries you do assist as well it's also difficult but I feel like maybe because of the pain as sometimes they, they assign you in prenatal assisting right so I feel like maybe you're you're young and you see the mother you know in labor and I think that makes it more difficult because you can feel the pain of giving birth I feel like you definitely see the pain in the mother's perspective, assisting her. <laughs> I've never given birth before and I've never seen anyone get birth. It is horrifying in my mind. True. True. <laughs> Especially the second stage of labor, right? They're losing their mind. And you assisting her needs to be composed as well. And But you still need to talk to her and be like, that's too much. It's too much. What is like the big difference of working? Because were you working in a hospital in, in Manila as well for a short time? And because I know physical therapist is very, you know, it's very broad on where you can, you can practice. So was it different? Like how are the clinics different in the United States versus, versus the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely the U.S. is very easy because I think we have all the gadgets. We have all the instruments. I think everything is laid down. In the Philippines, 
there are facilities. I'm, I'm sorry to say this. I know a lot of people is gonna hate me, but there are facilities that lack equipment, and you really do some manual things. But I think I believe doing the clinicals and the experience in the Philippines is a good advantage, because the lack of equipment and the lack of even medicine would make you really think, and you would have that clinical eye and the clinical expertise other than relying on machines and gadgets. So that's, to put it simply, experience is good, but it's difficult. Adjusting in the U.S. because of these equipments that we don't have in the Philippines is difficult. But once you get the hang of it, once you get the exposure, it becomes easier. I think that's the main difference. Uh, for me, the biggest challenge really is cultural. And I, I think I've been... If not the worst experience, I had bad experiences in terms of, you know, being boxed or categorized as, you know, like an Asian, younger looking, looks like doesn't have the experience, thrown up in the cage. And it's not even a racial issue because I know I had an encounter with some Asian people who I felt like. I've been, as I've mentioned it, like boxed because I'm looking young. I, I think I had this problem as well with assertiveness in the beginning because I feel like I've been really very nice and I'm, I look young. If you can imagine me 10 years back now, I feel like I look very young at my age, but if I don't have my glasses, I still look young. But 10 years back, I look even more younger and even even my supervisor were telling me, Rommel, did your mother just sent you to buy something? Why are you here? And the pastor really took it bad. Like, why are you saying? I had the experience. I took all the exams. Why are you saying? But I think it's part of the assertiveness issue. Because <laughs> I wouldn't answer back in the past. Like, my first two years, I would just do my job. I wouldn't be answering back. Like, if you say something bad about me, I wouldn't reply back. I mean, that's your issue. It's not my issue. But later on, I realized, up until you shout back or reply back, they wouldn't give you the respect. So eventually in my third and fourth year, I'm shouting back. Like, I know, and I think that's one of the issue of Asian people growing up in a culture where you're very respectful of elders or of seniors. Because in the Philippines or in Asia, the supervisor's decision is final. Like, you have to do it. You have to follow it. Anybody who is more senior than you or your manager or your supervisor is the ultimate, like almost God. You need to follow it. You need to follow whatever they say. But in the U.S., we know it. You need to challenge every decision they make, right? They would look at you poorly or wrong if you, you're not challenging the status quo or you're not challenging whoever's decision. They want interaction. They want to see that you have the knowledge. And if you don't do that, if you don't banter to them, they feel like you're inferior, you don't have the knowledge. And I think that's validated. Actually, I had this conversation with a lot of Asian peers and they were saying, yeah, you're right. You're right. Especially that we look young. And if you're thrown out in this, <laughs> in this pandemonium uh, workplace, then yeah, if you don't answer back and you don't say a word, they would look at you like you don't have knowledge, you don't know anything. So I think that's one of the lessons a lot of nurses should learn coming from a different culture. And they should adjust. They should adjust accordingly. And they should challenge. And they should reply back. Otherwise, they would be misconstrued 
as though they don't know anything. And that's pretty common. That's a really good piece of advice. And yeah, I've heard that a lot, especially from the Filipina nurses, that it's a cultural thing to be more accepting. And Yeah, right, right. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. I think because of the Asian hate that's going around the U.S. right now, there is this discussion in Asian community and we Asian people need to realize that portion of the issue to speak up to you know, represent yourself to acknowledge your culture because otherwise they wouldn't understand you. If you don't speak up, they wouldn't know that that's a thing, right? It's not being rude, but that's the culture. It's the culture. And you have to adjust because you're not in Asia anymore. You're in the U.S. So I think that's part of the challenges. That's part of the challenges, but eventually you overcome it. It's just a matter of exposure and getting to know the real culture and the way people behave and do things in the U.S. So it took me five years, imagine. <laughs> it took me five years before I definitely and finally was able to say, I'm in the U.S. and this is it. <laughs> I have to adjust. Yeah. <laughs> I have to adjust, yeah. And it's-, it's funny, but it's true. It's funny, but it's true. I don't know. Um, we have a subject, and I think I took it in my BS nursing, about cultural sensitivity. I don't know if I wasn't perceptive about it because I'm working in a pharmaceutical company who is a U.S.-based company. And in Asia, actually, you're used to saying sir or mom or you call them by their title like doctor or mom or sir. But in the pharmaceutical company where I work with, we don't do that. We call each other by the first name, like, like what we do in the U.S. So I think I wasn't perceptive. And I realized, you know, up until you're in that situation or in that community, all you're teaching in the classroom is just, it will just pass. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even realize they were saying is true or very important because you haven't experienced that. That's really powerful what you're saying, especially that the advice about being assertive. And did you feel like that there were language barriers at all that, that you know, coming here and how we speak and the slang that we use and that sort of thing. Did you deal with any sort of Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. And I was battling that for the five years, for my first five years. Like, I feel like what she was saying or what he was saying is rude, but that's just is it. Like, it's just the way they say things. And I know sometimes you want to put color in it. You definitely feel bad. But eventually you realize, you know what, it's just This is a common thing for them to do or to say. For example, they would say, hey, Mr. Rico, you're still here. When are you going home to the Philippines? In the past, I would look at you like, why why are you saying you want me to go home to the Philippines? I'm working here. I have my green card. I'm a resident here. And eventually I feel like, oh, she's just being nice. She just want to say hello. There's a lot. So I think it's really cultural difference, how we say things. Oh, and one more thing, the being direct, right? 
being direct, I felt like I know a lot of people also told me about it. Like, okay, Rommel, you're going to the U.S. Don't feel bad. You would think they're rude when they straight right in your face what you need to hear. But they're just they're just being true to what you need to hear, right? So, okay, so I brought that with me. So when I came in, you know, when I was a church nurse, I would say straight out what I want to say to people. And I feel like, oh, this is what I've been told. And actually, people told me about this to, you know, to say it straight. You know, you don't need to go on the other, you know, other just straight what you want to say. But mind you, there are people who felt bad about it. So it's like, what? I know I'm in New York. What's going on here? So it's like, there is no definite really advice uh, with regards to cultural sensitivity. But you really need to experience it. Have a feel of it. Don't feel bad. You know, sometimes you feel bad on how people say things or how they remark on what you do. What I've learned and what I used that made me stronger in the U.S. is don't be sensitive. Just don't be sensitive about it. At the end of the day, you go home. Tomorrow's another day. When you see each other, it was just that. <laughs> I, and that's very confusing for me, that part, like staying straight. because. I know you need to say it straight, but some people still feel bad about it. So there's a perfect way of saying things. There's a perfect blend. I believe. I don't know. It's, You're that in was, New York too, so New Yorkers yeah. are known for just you know being right. straight, well, flat, tell it like it is. Yeah, but but I realized being a melting pot of a lot of cultures, you also need to know the person you're talking to if they're born and raised in new york that's fine because we're yeah people really say it straight to your face but i realize there's a lot of people immigrating or migrants as well so there are people coming from europe or south america and asia and we took it plain and simple like you're in new york you can say straight in your face and eventually realize oh my god that person was from south america so I should be a little sensitive, <laughs> but but I'm telling you, I it's difficult. It's difficult, and up until you experience it and be there, then you'll learn. You'll learn how to manage expectations, cultural sensitivity. It's major for me being an Asian and from another country, not in the U.S. It's a major thing. I think we should make a lot of instructional material or, or promotional materials about cultural sensitivity because I feel like for me especially for me it's a major issue for me and I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's exactly what we're doing a big portion of I'm asking everyone about the cultural differences and that's something that's a really big part of this because it is important and because you come and and you're not only you know adjusting to your job and your life but then there's this cultural aspect that you're learning too mm-hmm. so there's so much happening whenever you arrive and you know on that note i know that your process of arriving was different from a lot of people because your partner was already in the United States and established. And so, you know, I'm guessing you arriving and renting an apartment and looking for an apartment was perhaps different than other people. Is that right? Yes. So fortunately for me, I'll tell you two perspectives. So of 
arriving with a partner who has an apartment and is ready. Um, that was easy for me. I actually had that chance to check because it's like a house with a lot of friends to live in it. So I had an opportunity to go there a year in advance because I had this conference in San Francisco and I had the chance to drop by New York because I know eventually like I was thinking six months or a year, but it took me a year and a half before having my green card. And I, you know, I had the opportunity to experience and see what I would be into uh, once I moved in. But that was easy because it's everything is ready. But I think what's more important is my experience when I moved out and looked for an apartment for myself. So when I moved out, I think it was fall. So it's sometime in August or September. So I think it wasn't good timing. And I keep telling this to a lot of friends who's moving to New York or also nurses that moving to New York needs timing. Because remember, we have four seasons. And in the Philippines, you're used to just the sun and the rain. So it's all summer plus the rain. So it's like, feel, feels like two seasons, right? So in New York, there's winter time. And winter time is so depressing. So I was moving out, brokenhearted. And I don't have any other friends other than the people in the same house. As an Asian, we have these Asian stores where you can find little leaflets announcing like availability for a room or for a house or a two bedroom or whatnot. So I started to look for those and I have to visit a few, like maybe I tried five or six, I've checked. But being a Filipino who is used to a bigger family, like bigger community in a house, I really had a hard time imagining myself living in a, in a room by myself or a two bedroom by myself. So it was difficult for me and I didn't went for it. Luckily enough, um, there are a lot of Filipino associations, nursing associations as well, who can make referrals, and that worked for me. So it's a friend who referred to a friend who has an available room with its own exit, like a door, so that I don't have to get to the living room if I want to leave the house unnoticed. You know what I mean? <laughs> so a friend of a friend referred me, and what I like in that house is that it's like a four-bedroom house with existing Asian people who are also very nice. They're seniors, so they cook. We have a grandma. We have a grandfather. They're not too old, though. They're just 60s. And then we have an uncle. And then that friend of a friend who became my friend. And we have the daughter of that friend. So it's like a family. And I know that being an Asian, Filipino, that we thrive in a family environment. So I, if I would suggest, you know, if for new nurses coming in to look for those apartments, like a house, because it, it, I think that helped me a lot having that support group. Like these people would be checking on me if I have eaten. <laughs> they would be checking on me on what time I, I would be coming back. So it, being Asian and being Filipino, I love that. And when I reach home, there are food in the table. They would call you and it would be you. <laughs> backing off like I'm already full I've eaten in the in the workplace you don't have to call me but it's still a good feeling and I I love that I don't know I don't know but I think it's common and I know a lot of friends the physical therapy friends I have in New York some of them they have really strong independent personalities so they thrive being alone in an apartment but 
they have a lot of issues to being alone. So I feel like, especially on winters in New York, I would be craving for people, right? So for me, I, I would suggest patients or, you know, nurses moving into New York to look for those apartments. And I've learned there's a lot. There's a lot of apartments being shared, especially Filipino families are looking for renters of their extra rooms. To begin in New York without family support is very difficult. So that worked for me. And I'm sure that would work well as well to other nurses who are coming into New York. That's, That's a really great piece of advice, actually. I want to go live there. Make, you get home and there are meals for you and stuff. <laughs> Give me a room over there. <laughs> right. 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 So what I do, what I do is I also once a week, maybe Saturday or on my free day, I would bring in food. I would buy from a restaurant. I would share it to everyone. So they love that. And I've, I've come to learn about that from friends as well who are sharing a room in in a in a family house, and yeah, it works. So you eat together, and Filipinos love to eat together. So it works. It works. Well. And you said that there were uh, like nursing associations and, and Filipino associations that help you get the apartment. What were the names of those associations, and how did you reach out to them? So we have the Filipino Nursing Association. It's PNA, Philippine Nursing Association. There are smaller associations because the Philippines is an archipelago, right? And we're divided into three regions, the Luzon, the Visayas, and the Mindanao. I know there are Visayan Nursing Association, and there's also a Mindanaoan Nursing Association, and there's a Luzon. But they're under one umbrella. And these are more informal groups, I'm saying, the regional groups. But the more formal, the bigger association is the Philippine Nursing Association. So they're very active in the community. Um, and in fact, they have also CMEs. They have monthly CMEs. They organize CMEs. It's a good group to belong to. Yeah, they can even refer you for work. <laughs> they can even refer you for work. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I'm sure that it helps um, also with like families and people that are coming to the United States with their spouse or their kids. And they, they probably yeah. want and help that way too. When you came, how did you open a bank account, for example? Well, it was easier for me because the agency did that for me. Well, one reason is that they have to pay me, right? So I think the only requirement to open a bank account is easy, right? I think you just need to have your green card or your um, state ID, what else? I think your, your contract to the agency or your employment ID or employment, any proof that you're working, and your address. I think it's that simple. But for me, when I came in, they just requested for me to fill out the form. And my agency even processed that for me. They did it for me. And that payroll account, which I eventually used as my personal account. Yeah. So I think it's that easy. How did you build credit? Oh, that's that's one tricky thing I want to discuss with every nurses as well. Go um, for it. I think it's also part of being in New York and sad sometimes and you work six times a week. Some of the nurses I know, some of the Filipino nurses I know even work seven days a week. So it's really difficult how to reward yourself. And I think most of the challenges in terms of finances for nurses and even physical therapists in New York is on doing online shopping and even shopping on your free days. So, well, my first three years, 
I did that. that. That's part of my problem. And I and I I can honestly tell everybody that it's really difficult and it's not being defensive, but for me on my first two years, that's part of rewarding myself. That's the only I think happiness and I feel like it's a reward that at the end of the week I can go shopping and I would go to places like Macy's or you know, our outlets, <laughs> go to outlets, to tangers. And I think it's like an outing with some of my friends. And eventually you realize you buy some stuff that are just unnecessary. And most of the Filipinos as well send boxes to the Philippines. And I wanted, I wanted to correct that. If I can influence nurses not to do that. Our families and friends in the Philippines love to receive. And when they receive these boxes of stuff we buy for them, you feel happy because they're happy and it feels like you're sharing, but it actually is part of the reasons why your credit card is not going to grow or you're going to have uh, a very bad credit. So these are the bad experiences I had that I wanted to correct. If there are new nurses, please avoid doing, especially online shopping. And you need to be very careful with your credit score. And it has to do with the credit that you have in your credit card versus the amount of money that you have in the bank. And if I may suggest, if you can, and have a few friends who teach me this, who taught me how to, and I really envy them because they withdraw money from the bank. They don't use the plastics. So they have ready money. If we go out and have to share money in the restaurants, you would notice they wouldn't be pulling out plastics. They would be pulling out cash. And in this part of having a good budget so you know what you're earning week per week right because nurses receive um, their salaries on a weekly basis so you know what's coming in on that particular week you know how much you ha- you need to pay for your rent and you should also know how much you spend for your food so you should have a list of what you eat and what you buy from the groceries unfortunately for me i only learned to do this in my fourth or fifth year so I'm on the first three years, my credit was really bad. Up until I have to buy something which is um, more expensive and I realized I don't have that good credit. So these are just a few things and you need to be very careful on your on your credit card if you have one. You need to be paying on time or at least in advance before the bill comes out because that's, that's really going to affect your credit limit or your credit um, score. And... Um, one one good advice that I had um, in terms of credit cards is just to maintain like one five or two thousand in your credit card if you have five thousand credit limit or ten thousand credit limit. And the best way really is if you're going for a grocery or you do shopping, make sure you have that one thousand one thousand US dollar and then you have to put it right away in your credit card right after doing the shopping because you don't know when you're gonna need your money most. Like your credit score is and. Not a lot of nurses coming in knows that you need your credit card when you're finally going to buy your own house. If you wanted to buy properties in the U.S., you need a really good credit score. Um, Or even just a car, you need a credit score for that. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Nursing in America. Part 2 will be available next week, so make sure you hit the follow button and come back to join us then. If you enjoyed the episode, please help us and leave a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses internationally. We offer direct hire, which means healthcare facilities will directly sponsor and hire you to work here in the USA. If you're interested, 
please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. You can find the link in the show notes.